Paul McGuire. This is the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, on the future of manufactured pandemics. Okay, so some of the most intelligent researchers and scientists in the world, such as uh, Timothy Alexander Guzman of Global Research, wrote a research paper analyzing what he terms the future of manufactured pandemics. So, so basically what he's saying in the title of his research report, he's putting forth the thesis that uh, certain pandemics that happened in the past um, were not just happen chance pandemics. Um, certain manufactured pan- pandemics that happened in the past were the direct results of uh, what is termed or called manufactured pandemics. The idea being that the COVID vaccination and the uh, COVID or, uh, pandemic was the direct result of a scientifically manufactured pandemic. It just didn't happen, you know, because somebody went bat crazy eating their bat soup in the bat cave. They, they, they somehow got the germs or whatever caused the, the, the pandemic, and then it spread. So then in this research paper, and this is something that I wrote about 30 years ago, I wrote about it extensively in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. I wrote about it in my book, uh, oh, a lot of my books, uh, Power from One High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and many other books I write about on an ongoing basis. Once again, I study, I use my rational mind, my linear mind, my logical mind, and then I pray, I seek the, uh, the face of God, and I allow the Lord, as I seek his face, to direct me and guide me and lead me into specific areas of research, specific areas of inquiry in terms of science and biology and pandemics, etc. And then I merge the two different streams of approach. So, number one is, and this is going back to, is your brain operational? People have been writing about and discussing and talking about uh, the allegations that the U.S. military and militaries around the world, like Russia and China, etc., um, have, have all had highly sophisticated biological warfare and manufactured pandemics. So, so as part of the ongoing biological warfare programs that began in the late 1800s, that again took off in the early 1900s, and then began to skyrocket with the Nazi rocket scientists, the Nazi uh, uh, biological scientists, Um, their research took off. And they, through Operation Paperclip, the U.S. government imported thousands and thousands of Nazi rocket scientists, Nazi mind control scientists, and Nazi genetic DNA scientists. And they did everything from uh, building uh, MK Ultra mind control. They uh, constructed the Nazi rockets. They founded the NASA uh, space program with Werner von Braun. And uh, the Nazi scientists, with their illegal experimentation on concentration camp victims, the Nazi scientists uh, weaponized 
and manufactured in the laboratory all kinds of deadly diseases, pandemics, autoimmune diseases, you name it, killing millions and millions of people all around planet Earth. So what I found out, and this is what you've got to do, you've got to educate yourself, spend a few bucks, get yourself some books where I have charts, I lay out the research very simply. But because I had so many people coming to me and counseling for all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, etc., um, I remember uh, being the consultant with a number of high-level people, a number of uh, movers and shakers who needed both business guidance, uh, personal guidance, and things of that nature. And, and so uh, this is not something I came up with myself. It's not something I initiated at all, okay? I didn't manipulate this. I didn't cause this. I didn't, I didn't push this into coming into being. And what I'm talking about is, is for some uncanny reason, I kept running into people, both men and women, strong Christians, entrepreneur types, movers and shakers, people who really love the Lord. I kept running into Christians who were really powerful Christians, but they all had, and they weren't that specific about it. I would say one of the general characteristics of this type of individual is they, they want to keep very private and they want to keep very personal uh, anyone from knowing that they even have an autoimmune disease. So they're not going to tell you. I mean, it took me years uh, helping and advising these people to figure out that, that they had an autoimmune disease because the autoimmune disease they had, it was functional, but they don't like talking about it. And then the number of people who had these autoimmune diseases increased, and uh, I wasn't giving medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be a psychiatrist. I'm a Bible teacher, a researcher, an author. But I guess most importantly, I uh, walk as best I, as I can in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord speaks to me prophetically, and uh, the Lord speaks through me. And, and people seek me out. Um, you never heard me talk about this because I don't like to brag. And in fact, you'll probably never hear me talk about it again. This is the only time I've ever mentioned this in decades of being here. So, so let's just end it right now and simply say, people contact me for advice and wisdom in all kinds of ma uh, matters. Why? The primary reason why is, I suppose, they recognize that by observing my life, by, by the things that I say, by the level of my analysis, um, I think the Lord reveals to them that I could be a possible candidate uh, for wisdom and knowledge for them that might help them and, and help them uh, achieve spiritual victory. And that's all I'll say about that. So um, that's why knowledge is power. Now, I talk to pastors. I talk to some of the largest, most influential pastors in the nation privately. Um, I know many of them privately. I knew God's many many of God's greatest generals I knew personally for decades until they went home to be with the Lord. And so uh, that experience combined with walking in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ allows me to minister to people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what I try to do. Okay, so again, knowledge is power. 
it just it just staggers me that somebody thinks that they can have no knowledge and yet counsel people, pray for people, advise people, uh, offer up a prophetic voice to people. It staggers me that people can be so presumptuous and, and do that, and yet at the same time woefully neglect receiving as much godly knowledge as possible so they can have so you can have the power to minister to people. So let's get to this just one area out of many. So over the years I realized that I was coming in contact in an ever increasing manner to people who had apparently an endless spectrum of what are called autoimmune diseases. And I mean, this was a lot of people. I would regularly meet people whose lives were seriously impacted by autoimmune diseases. They would have chronic fatigue syndrome, nausea, restless leg syndrome, all kinds of um, psychological problems and, and uh, anxiety and depression and, and uh, uh, a lowered immune system so it would be easy for them to catch certain diseases. So this, these were real trials for these people. And then, as time went on, I realized that most likely, and then I find out, find out that it was statistically true, but statistically more women than men get these autoimmune diseases. But anybody who makes fun of somebody who has an autoimmune disease is being very cruel, ignorant, astonishingly ignorant, and insensitive, because the autoimmune disease seems to be like a nothing disease. But people who live through the trials of an autoimmune disease literally go through absolute hell for, for many years of their life, and it impacts them in all kinds of ways that seriously and negatively uh, functions as a kind of attack by Satan on their lives. And I don't think it would be going too far to, to ask that question. So... Um, People went to me, go to me for counseling. I pray. I wait on the Lord. I don't claim to be a faith healer. I don't claim to be a prophet. I do claim to have a prophetic ministry where the Word of God is first and foremost and above everything else. I do claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, and as such, many of the prayers that I pray for people to be miraculously healed and saved and delivered God miraculously answers those prayers. So yes, uh, God answers my prayers, and God ministers to people prophetically. So yes, within that context, which I believe is thoroughly biblical, uh, I would I would claim ownership in the area of of uh, a prophetic ministry or or a miraculous ministry. But I you, you hopefully you will never see me merchandise that and turn it into a big show and circus type. Okay, so a huge number of people in America have autoimmune diseases. Basically, big pharma, the medical establishment, they don't really have answers. So what they do is they, they give people meds or alternative doctors will, will suggest diets, etc., and alternative means of treatment uh, in, in the hope of of reducing the impact of the autoimmune disease or in the hope of healing somebody from an autoimmune disease. And so there's a wide spectrum of autoimmune diseases. And in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, I really expose that whole thing. And I expose that whole thing also in my book um, 
uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, where I talk about autoimmune diseases, the allegations and theories from some very high-level scientists, some of which who worked uh, in classified areas, and no, I'm not going to release classified information. I don't, I, I deliberately don't allow myself to be the recipient of classified information. Therefore, I avoid the problem altogether. So the uh, critical thing here is that uh, many of these autoimmune diseases, when you trace them back to the origins, like the allegations being made towards the uh, Wuhan Biological Laboratory, uh, where there are allegations that the Wuhan Laboratory was artificially manufacturing biological warfare weapons. what happens is in these facilities, like in the Operation Desert Storm and the other war in the Middle East, and also in the Vietnam War, but especially in the Middle East, our soldiers came into contact, allegedly, a number of times with very deadly diseases, plagues, biological warfare, and many other things that can really mess your body up uh, and are very hard to cure. And so, then when they came back to the U.S. and they would live with their wives and children, there were times when the wives and children would contact, maybe on a lesser powerful level, but they might contract uh, these uh, autoimmune diseases of all different, of all different types. And, here's, and so they, the soldiers, the American soldiers, got the autoimmune diseases in the Middle East and Iraq and places like that. So then the theories are that when they came back to the United States, they brought those infections, they brought those diseases with them, and then their families and their children spread them. Now, there's a, uh, a uh, biological warfare laboratory facility, a very powerful one, that is just off the uh, uh, Pacific coast of uh, America not the Pacific Coast, the Atlantic Coast of America. And um, there's a biological warfare manufacturing laboratory on an island off the coast of uh, the Atlantic Ocean near Boston. And and the name of this island, it goes by more than one name, but one of the names for this island is Lyme, L-Y-M-E. And allegedly, and according to these scientists and medical doctors, um, they were making uh, illegally. They were making uh, um, biological warfare diseases on this laboratory on, on called Lyme off the Atlantic Ocean, and so certain bugs like mosquitoes and other bugs um, would would be infected with different biological warfare weapons like Lyme disease. And then they would fly over, or the, the insects would stow away, you know, like the way insects would stow away, on these, these boats and these vessels that would travel from Lyme Island to a place called Lyme, Connecticut. And, and so because, you know, there was uh, certain products and, and uh, diseases and other things that were being manufactured as biological warfare weapons, and and yet they uh, 
kind of traveled with uh, the uh, uh, bacteria, germs, viruses, or whatever components were causing the various diseases, they would uh, travel through mosquitoes and bugs and other things, as well as containers and and, and transportation uh, type of vehicles and uh, uh, cartons and boxes and stuff. So the stuff would come from Lyme Island. It would end up in Lyme, Connecticut. And then as people would meet each other in the doctor's offices, uh, the, the various Lyme diseases, the, the immune diseases, and everything else began to spread all up and down uh, the, you know, from Florida all the way up to Maine and stuff. And uh, then the, the human population and the animal population began to get Lyme disease. I remember visiting relatives on the East Coast, and they couldn't go out and even be vaguely near the little creek behind their houses because the little creeks were carrying, I guess it's the larvae or something, I don't know, of, of the Lyme disease. And all these, these you know, hypochondriac diseases that doctors were accusing their patients of, well, it turns out their doctors were wrong. Their patients weren't hypochondriacs. They were people who actually contracted the numerous secondary diseases which function as a kind of after effect after you get Lyme disease. So you have Lyme disease, you have uh, Crohn's disease, you have chronic fatigue syndrome, you have uh, various psychological disorders. I mean, in my book, I list, I don't know, about 50 to 75 different diseases uh, that you can contract in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. And is there a known cure or whatever? Because these things, you know, they always pick one or two of these um, autoimmune diseases, and then they do a big report, big promotion about how deadly, painful, dangerous it is, and how you better get cured or you're going to die early. Well, that's very disingenuous and, and very dishonest, because the more accurate portrayal would be to report the fact that, that there are like a hundred auto, different autoimmune diseases, and the different autoimmune diseases have different triggers. They have different uh, ways of attacking the body. They have different uh, things that they do to harm the body. One shoe size does not fit all. So um, the goal should be to to make sure. See, one thing you 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 can't pre-plan and hope to know what sometimes takes doctors a lifetime to know, which is precisely what bacteria or viruses or whatever it was. What was it that caused somebody to be infected and catch the various autoimmune diseases and the various Lyme diseases so that you can target that and wipe it out? And, and so the people in Lyme, Connecticut, learned the hard way, these medical doctors, because the, the independent military contractors and the secret underground military bases where they manufactured deadly pandemics and they manufactured deadly uh, autoimmune diseases. Each one of these autoimmune diseases has different symptoms and different problems it creates. So you've got to fight back. Now, if you're ignorant, so let's look at, that's looking at it through a halfway intelligent lens. That's looking at it through a halfway rational, logical 
lens or perspective. So knowledge is power. So think of all the millions of people, and you probably know some of these people personally, and their marriages, their jobs, their careers, their parenthood, their functions as a husband or wife. The, the truth is, and you're not even fully aware of it, but the truth is that there is a massive number of people, both male and female, who internally are really suffering and internally are feeling very, very sick because they have caught a very uh, painful disease. And that painful disease is called an autoimmune disease. And they have been infected with an autoimmune disease, and their children and wives have been infected with an autoimmune disease. And so, if you have no knowledge, and you have not cultivated your mind, you don't read papers or internet papers, you haven't studied about the very disease or condition that you think you might have. And let me just interrupt myself to ask you a question, and don't be offended. When it comes to autoimmune diseases and things of that nature, and I want to look you right in the eye and say this to you in love, speak the truth in love, I'm not saying this to you to, to harass you. I'm saying this to you so that you would indeed wake up and smell the coffee. That you would be hit by a java jolt, wake up and smell the coffee. And then as the adrenaline and the caffeine kick in, you once again take ownership of your life. And you've got to do it now because you're at the crossroads now. So if you don't have wisdom, this is what happens if you don't have wisdom. And you can see it in history and sociology and spirituality, etc., etc. People who have wisdom use their wisdom. They seek God for wisdom so that they can win all the spiritual battles because they have superior wisdom, superior understanding than the the ordinary person. The wisdom gives them the power to manage, and the wisdom gives them the power to defeat their disease. And so now that now they can be practically victorious in the spiritual battlefield. So that's one foundational area. The other foundational area is when you have knowledge, you have wisdom, such as what nutrients, what vitamins, what minerals, what herbs, what procedures, what protocols, what alternative medicine type things and more. Have you tried in the past, or know people who have tried in the past, and you personally, or they personally, have experienced very, very, very positive healing results? You write the names down, you check up on them, because right there, God is answering your prayer. He's giving you wisdom so that you can choose the right supplements, the right herbs, the right path, Because God loves you, he's showing exactly what he wants you to do in terms of your health so that you can be victorious in terms of your health. Then we say it once again, knowledge is power. And God wants you to give you knowledge to give you power. And this is the principle, the biblical eternal principle that we're going to use over and over again. To the degree you seek the face of the Lord and seek out godly wisdom, knowledge, and power, is to the degree you will experience the supernatural victories, the miraculous healing power of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. So, you're fighting a spiritual battle, knowledge is power. To the degree that you have knowledge is to the degree that you are victorious and are powerful. And that means when you think practically, logically, and rationally, you're making the decisions which have a proven track record 
significantly minimizing negative impacts or risks associated with autoimmune diseases. And so you move in that direction. And again, this is something that's being covered up, but there are millions upon millions upon millions of people who are fighting autoimmune diseases and, and diseases of that nature. And if we had a knowledge of God's Word, we would have the knowledge of God, and God wants to communicate with us. He wants to communicate His infinite knowledge and wisdom as, as it pertains to health and immune systems, etc. Now, one of the primary rotational spiritual attacks that occurs in our life is when we, we get into the autopilot mode uh, of just being there, but not really being there. Like, like, for all practical purposes, it looks like we're fighting a fierce spiritual battle and that we're fully engaged. But if the truth could be known, we're not really, really fighting the spiritual battle, and we're not really, really, really being engaged. That only occurs to the degree, and I'm going to use a strange word, but it's an accurate word biblically, that only works to the degree that we allow the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to circumcise us spiritually and purify us uh, uh, spiritually. Remember, what God is very practical in His symbolism and His teaching. One of the things that God Almighty demanded of the, the male children of Israel was that they would be circumcised at, at a young age. Now, most of the pagan nations around them, which were occultic, did not get their boys circumcised. And, and when a male is not circumcised, there's, uh, without getting into too specifics, I'll be as delicate as possible, but be forewarned, and I'm giving you a heads up, that the description will be medical but graphic, okay? So use your discretion. So the, the critical thing here is that uh, God pours out his Holy Spirit on his people, and God will often call males uh, to, to get circumcised, which is simply to, to use a, a, a clean, sterilized, very sharp knife-type instrument uh, together with a rabbi, uh, a Jewish spiritual leader, and uh, the male child will undergo the rite of circumcision at a very young age. And the rite of circumcision is when the rabbi, using that knife, will cut away the excess foreskin on the male child. Now, now, the reason that the priests and, and the rabbis obey God is that this ritual was to signify the fact that the male children of Israel were always to be set apart from the pagan children or the non-believing children. And God, using his genius and wisdom, the way he practically and visibly chose to set apart the male children of Israel, is he took a, the sacrificial knife and cut away at the most intimate, delicate, sensitive uh, areas of uh, a young male boy or a, a, a male. And that is to, to cut away the sensitive areas of the foreskin, which can be unbelievably painful. Um, and this is done for sanitary purposes, it's done for hygienic purposes, but it's also done as a means of separating the male child 
from the, the children, the pagan children. It's a ritual before the Lord, the rite of circumcision. Now, in the same manner, uh, God calls, no matter what your feelings or beliefs are on circumcision, the Bible teaches about what's called spiritual circumcision. And the biblical truth in spiritual circumcision is that you, you dedicate time or create the opportunity for a male child uh, to, to be circumcised spiritually. So here, the emphasis is that the cutting away by the, the circumcision knife or the surgical knife, that cutting away is designed to, to function as an antiseptic, to function as a way of getting rid of germs, to function as a, as a mechanism of sterilization uh, so that the male child, the male boy, won't get all these infections and diseases because the cutting away in circumcision is supposed to largely preempt that. And then finally, the, the autoimmune diseases, when you cut away the foreskin, uh, you, are, you are removing access ways of bacteria, viruses, and, and many, many other uh, ways of, of uh, germ transmission, germs and viruses and bacteria that would easily hide themselves in the, com- in the confines of, uh, uh, you know, being sheltered from the light and everything else, as, as is the case with an autoimmune disease. So these are the different things. Now, so finally, circumcision, there's the cutting away of the male foreskin. There's the practical spiritual and hygienic elements as part of this rite or ceremony of circumcision. But finally, undergoing the rite of circumcision, you're cutting away all the foreskin. What that does is that, plain and simple, substantially enhances the sensitivity that the male will experience in sexual relationship with his wife and adult material, medical type orientation. But here's your heads up, so be very careful to use your own discretion. So, so by cutting away the foreskin and and washing it and water and disinfectant or whatever, you're cleaning out any potential pockets of bacteria, viruses, germs, or whatever. You're making it a sterile antiseptic environment which is hygienic and prevents the transmission of diseases. So on a practical level and a medical level, uh, the cutting away of the foreskin has many, many hygienic and positive medical benefits, which Christian culture adopted as well as Jewish culture. Now, increasingly, more increasingly today, people are are not uh, committing to the right of circumcision. So they, 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 considerably increase the statistical potential and risk of getting a disease, of getting an autoimmune disease, of getting sick, of of transmitting viruses and germs that can be transmitted through other mechanisms of of transmission. And so people from pagan cultures or non-Christian cultures, uh, many times their religion will tell them to ignore the various rites on circumcision and they, they don't pay any real attention to the hygienic or medical aspects of circumcision. So the Bible is both practical and real. And finally, as we said before, 
in terms of practicality, you know, you have all these uh, manuals and books and and how-to manuals and instruction manuals, et cetera, et cetera. And so many of the questions and the solicitation of certain herbs or whatever to allegedly increase sexual enhancement has to do with increasing in both the female and the male, uh, taking certain herbs and nutrients to increase the the sexual sen- the sexual physical sensations. However, if you were to obey God's word, and if you were to uh, get the right or participate in the rite of circumcision, you would not only clean out and sterilize anything that could cause uh, germs or disease, but you could also uh, substantially increase the antiseptic nature, the germ-free environment, the cleansing, the purification from uh, uh, bacteria and viruses and contaminants and everything else. So by cleaning that out through circumcision, you are bathing that environment of your body, etc., in uh, an antiseptic, sterile environment that kills disease and germs and, and perpetuates uh, a, a bodily environment of, of health. Critical spiritual thing to do. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Another item that I want to cover with you, very important as it relates to the powerful spiritual principles connected to the reality of biblical truth. Okay, so so we understand that on a global basis, especially with these super nations, we see projections of the future of warfare, of the future of battle. We see an endless series of projections regarding what is termed the future of manufactured pandemics. So medical uh, medical and military experts are actually developing. Um, Future scenarios, they're using artificial intelligence and computers, and they're mapping out virtual blueprints of the future of artificially or manufactured uh, pandemics or the future of uh, uh, mankind based on, uh, you know, weapons laboratories, artificial pandemics. and then. The theoretical analysis, but many believe it's true, that the real origins of COVID-19 came from the U.S. military's bioweapons program. And, and, and nobody knows, you know, when that actually began. But, 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 you know, even conservatively, it began in the late 1940s. And the Nazis had it going, too. So the U.S. military, so the origins, the early secret beginnings of COVID-19, you know, didn't just start a couple of years ago. The origins of COVID-19 goes back to the top secret U.S. military's bioweapons program, the secret military bioweapons program, and what is termed global vaccine resistance. Global vaccine resistance. Well, what is that? I'll tell you in just a second. So, uh, in 2019, a local newspaper in Frederick, Maryland, called the Frederick News Post, published a report 
Fort Detrick lab shut down after failed safety inspection. All research halted and indefinitely on the sudden closure of the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases lab located at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Okay, this is interesting to me because I have always, as a radio talk show host, a television talk show host, a minister, a conference speaker, as a best-selling author, and many other things, I have always, always supported our, our U.S. military. Now, I may have private opinions about this particular or that particular uh, military battle, war, operation, decision, or whatever. Okay, but those are my private internal uh, ideas or feelings. When it comes to whether or not I, as a U.S. citizen, a patriotic U.S. citizen, when, when it comes down to whether I will or will not support our U.S. military, I believe that I have a biblical and spiritual obligation before God to always support our U.S. military either men and women, or men and women, and I have an obligation to support those uh, men and women in our U.S. military. My obligation is to support them and to pray for them, and I don't withdraw. Now, listen, this is a very important uh, uh, part of understanding. I do not give out my support and my prayers to those who serve in the U.S. military. I don't give out prayers or blessings uh, to those people in the U.S. military simply because I, I like what they're doing from a military standpoint or I agree with what they're doing from a military standpoint. My willingness to obey God and pray God's blessing and pray God's uh, protection and pray God's uh, supernatural resistance and pray God's supernatural power and healing virtue I'm required by God to pray for people who want prayer in season and out of season. And this is totally independent of whether I agree or disagree with any one specific military decision, military conflict, or, or military whatever. I don't, you know, this is not some tight-wadded thing where I just, like, yank the chain every time it doesn't meet my approval. No, that's crazy stuff. That's, that's what would lead a soldier. A U.S. citizen, a child of God, that's what would lead a U.S. soldier to die in battle unnecessarily. If they're all upset in an emotional, spiritual turmoil, and they're all upset over, over a conflict that's occurring, a battle or a new military edict or procedure, and they're all caught up in the storm of emotions surrounding that, look, they're not going to be at the best of their game. They're going to be not focused the way they should be focused. They're going to be distracted. And if I say I love them, the absolute best thing that I can do to help save their lives and bring them their health back, the absolute best thing that I can do is to verbalize my support for them unconditionally, pray for them unconditionally, and encourage them unconditionally. You don't play with people's heartstrings when they're protecting you and your family and they're out on the battlefield. That's nuts. That's nuts. So I always tell the military, when I meet them in airports or whatever, I tell them, thank you for your service. I say something positive. I don't get into specific wars or specific conflicts. 
because number one is I couldn't possibly be a military expert on all of it. And two is we're supposed to be a channel of blessing from God to our military. It doesn't necessarily mean that we pray for every minutia of what's happening. In the same way, there are many things in life where God calls us to serve 100%, to give 100%. God calls us to do that even though we might privately have uh, disagreements or privately have uh, problems with certain things. And that doesn't matter. Our, Our commitment to prayer and standing with our military is an essential function of obedience to the Lord, to the Lord. In the same way, we're supposed to pray for our elected representatives. We're supposed to pray before our elected representatives, whether we agree with them or whether we totally disagree with them. Our prayers, our intercessory prayers are to, for our elected representatives are supposed to continue every day, 24-7. We're to lift them up in prayer and ask that God's supernatural blessing would be released and his angels would be released in their lives. And it's a continual thing. We don't start, stop. Okay. When I was doing my various radio programs, I would talk to a soldier or a military officer who was serving somewhere uh, in the Fort Detrick uh, uh, U.S. Army facility. Now, now, what part of the facility? I have no idea. I, I don't ask that question. I don't even think I would be allowed to answer that question. That would be all confidential. So, but at least once a week, I would have a uh, Fort Detrick uh, U.S. military soldier on my program, live on the radio, on my nationally syndicated radio program, The Paul McGuire Show. Once a week, I'd have an officer or a soldier from Fort Detrick. And then other weeks, I would have soldiers from other forts or famous uh, areas that uh, our military is stationed or based in. And and this, you know, think about it if it was your son or daughter. The stakes that they have to handle are enormous, and they need God's supernatural help. Okay. Um, in this report, it says, All research at a Fort Detrick laboratory that handles high-level disease-causing material, such as Ebola, is on hold indefinitely after the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention found the organization failed to meet biosafety medical standards. Well, that's encouraging, but it is encouraging that somebody blew the whistle. I mean, thank God that they they blew the whistle uh, at the uh, Fort Detrick Laboratory, because it's that laboratory that's responsible for the high-level diseases and the high-level disease-causing material, such as Ebola epidemics. And and they and they stopped operation on all of this because the CDC said they failed to meet the, the basic biological safety standards, which are no infectious pathogens or disease-causing material have been found outside authorized areas in the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. The reasons for the shutdown is questionable. So they talk about. Um, Wow, I mean, I'm not getting into it. A very detailed thing about contaminated wastewater. Can you, I'm not saying this happened here. It's not published or indicated that it did happen here. But the question that comes to my mind for crying out loud is that 
is that um, whatever happened, potentially, potentially if the wastewater decontamination system failed to meet the standards that were set by the Federal Select Agent Program, then, then a pandemic could explode. So this is, this is not good. Now, after the evidence that was released January 30th, 2020, when the coronavirus pandemic was officially announced, um, there was allegations that, that COVID-19 began in Fort Detrick, uh, in the Fort Detrick Laboratory. But see, that, that's what happens when you have bad information or disinformation or lies. What better thing could the enemy do than to stir up animosity and hatred of the citizens against our military simply by spreading lies that this laboratory, the Fort Detrick Lab, which is relatively near the soldiers' families and citizens' houses, what, what more evil a thing could the enemy do? And spread maliciously the lie that the uh, so that certain viruses and certain kinds of biological warfare, such as the COVID nineteen program, if people lied and, and spread the lie that COVID nineteen began in Fort Detrick, which it did not, there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that uh, the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic began in Fort Detrick, Maryland. No evidence for that whatsoever. So the, the critical thing here is that uh, there's this discussion of the wastewater decontamination system. Let's just leave that alone for a moment. But But something like that could easily have caused the problem. Now, the New York Times headlined an article in 2020 entitled China Spins Tale That U.S. Army Started Coronavirus Epidemic, which was based on China's conspiracy theories and that it was the U.S. Army Medical Research, Research Institute of Infectious Diseases based in Fort Detrick, Maryland, who released COVID-19. Okay, so we know that the communist Chinese are propaganda experts. So it's, it's, not, even, it's not inconceivable to, to speculate that the Communist Chinese Psycholo Psychological Operations Division, um, that the Chinese Communist PSYOP operation begins to spread this lie, this tale, that, that yes, it was the U.S. Army that started the coronavirus epidemic, which, was, which, which is an idea based on China's conspiracy theories. So. Um, there's all these lies. There are people saying that it's hard to tell what's a lie and what's the truth. People saying that the, the coronavirus came from the bats in the bat caves in, in, in China, near Wuhan. And then on the other hand, you have uh, allegations from the communist Chinese PSYOP uh, division that um, the, the secret disease research and technology invented at Fort Detrick, Maryland, that it was that stuff, that batch of biological warfare that somehow was exposed to our U.S. military, and they got infected, and it spread across the militaries into military families, 
that created all these horrific things. So, um, there is a general in Russia, uh, Lieutenant General Igor Kirilov, the chief of nuclear, chemical, and biological protection troops of the armed forces of the Russian Federation, recently conducted an important briefing on U.S. military biological activities and present danger it opposes to all of us. In fact, it is a warning that it is a warning to what the U.S. government is capable of, and that is releasing another biological weapon. They're alleging that the U.S. military released the first biological weapon. So I would assume that the second allegation is the U.S. military could release another second biological weapon. Uh, and to accomplish specific geopolitical agendas, which include, now this is very important, the second, the anticipated second uh, U.S. military's bioweapons program is capable of releasing another biological weapon. Now, according to the WEF's goal of depopulating the Earth, remember, WEF is the World Economic Forum. That's the globalist elite group. That's the Luciferian Klaus Schwab elite group. And the WEF, or the World Economic Forum, their goal is the mass depopulation of planet Earth. And as for the globalists, less people on the planet will be much easier to control. So Chinese PSYOPs is accusing American military of draconian wipeout of the mass population. Okay? And so in the PSYOP war, <clears throat> you read such published statements as release a bioweapon, discover a vaccine as the cure, and then scare or force people to take the so-called vaccine, or what I like to call experimental shots. Besides the goals of depopulation, the political and a corporate establishment and their big pharma cartels have created long-term patients from the injuries caused by the COVID-19 experimental shots, which in their perspective is good for business. Do you realize how sick that is if it's true? Do you realize how sociopathic it is, how, how pathological this is, if, if, if it is true? If it is true, as certain people, like the Chinese Psychological Operations Division, alleges, they, they allege that if the U.S. military were to release or discover a vaccine, if we release a bioweapon, which is designed to be discovered in the vaccine as a cure, and then we deliberately scare or force people to take the so-called vaccine, if, if we do that, that's crazy and sick and evil. Okay? But this helps us, our owners, the puppet masters, they are the disciples of depopulation, of Malthusian population growth. And the goals of the Luciferian elite and the globalist elite, the goals of depopulation, the political and corporate establishment, and their big pharma cartels have created long-term patience. That's true, though. You see, that these uh, sentences in the, in the article that I'm reading to you from Global Research 
Those are true statements. I mean, you, you don't debate the statements. The statements are true. The statements are true, and that's what's, what's very disturbing. Big Pharma has apparently deliberately organized and financed cartels in order to create long-term patients from the very injuries caused by COVID-19 experimental shots, which in the perspective of Big Pharma is good for business because you get more sick patients you have, the more customers you have. There's no economic incentive to heal people. Now, this is what I'm writing about in my new book, and the Lord's been dealing with me about this and other crisis events or other human extinction-level events, which I talk about at the books offered at paulmcguire.us. There's a high possibility of another pandemic. This next pandemic is the second phase of an all-out long-term war against humanity, as General Krilov laid out the U.S. government's stated goals, which, quote, are primarily aimed at studying potential agents of biological weapons, anthrax, tularemia, coronavirus, as well as the pathogens of economically significant infections, a pathogenic avian influenza, and an African swine fever. Then the general continued, quote, There is a clear trend. Pathogens that fall within the Pentagon's area of interest, such as COVID-19, avian influenza, avian influenza, African swine fever, subsequently become pandemic, and American pharmaceutical companies become the beneficiaries. General Krilov also mentioned that infamous Rockefeller event, Event 201, an exercise conducted before the COVID-19 pandemic on October 18, 2019. This Event 201 simulated the epidemic of previously unknown coronavirus that, according to the scenario, was transmitted from bats to humans via porcine organism, the intermediary virus carrier. The Russian authorities said the development of the pandemic under this scenario, as well as the implementation of the EcoHealth Alliance, projects, raises questions about the possible intentional nature of COVID-19 and U.S. involvement in the incident. And then in this report, so the U.S. military creates a problem, Big Pharma creates the solution. Let me read this to you again. So, the U.S. military creates a problem. Big Pharma creates the solution. That's how come you can generate trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in profit. The other question is, was the U.S. government, was it the U.S., this is a question, I don't have the answer. Was the U.S. government secretly behind the COVID-19 outbreak? I mean, there's a lot of allegations flying around. But you know what? Big pharma executives from Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and other biotech companies were licking their lips for the future profits that they were about to make on the vaccines they produced. The propaganda campaign to scare humanity into taking these so-called vaccines worked to an extent despite those who fell into the trap of getting COVID-19 experimental shot. And then. This is, this is where you just, it's like opening up the grave to Frankenstein. 
big pharma and these big pharma companies. The, the two billion, there were two billion people using their brains who, across the world who refused to take the COVID-19 uh, experimental shot. Two billion people just said no. And then there's talks about some mysterious future virus, allegedly, maybe funded by Bill Gates and the Western Wall Street-funded biolabs around the world, including those secret laboratories in the Nazi-esque Ukraine and elsewhere. A platform created for the Center for Global Development and the United Nations Development Program called Pandemic.com published a report on August 2023, mapping our unvaccinated world and said that, quote, globally, 2.2 billion people are completely unvaccinated. And, and why would any sane and rational person choose to be unvaccinated? There's only one plausible, there's only one rational, logical, and intelligent reason that seemingly normal and seemingly sane 2 billion people would choose not to be vaccinated. Why would sane, rational people, 2 billion of them, choose not to be vaccinated? Well, it's obvious. They chose not to be vaccinated globally. 2 billion people or more globally chose not to be vaccinated, not to be vaccinated, and did not take the COVID-19 experimental shot. You know why? They had heard something. They knew somebody who took this other vaccine or took the vaccine. They heard things. They saw pictures of things. They heard uh, uh, reports that were authentic and scholarly. And two billion people used their God-given intelligence and based on the evidence of what the COVID-19 experimental shot actually does to the body and the brain, over two billion people said no. This is potentially too dangerous for me. This is potentially too dangerous for me. These people were intelligent people, not idiots. And over 2.2 billion people globally have chosen, through their intelligence and the facts that they've been able to, to dig up, they chose to remain completely unvaccinated. That means, I know you've heard stuff. I know I've heard stuff. I've read stuff. I've heard stuff. I've seen movies. I've seen videos. I've seen doctors' reports. I've seen allegations. I've seen medical researchers. I've seen vaccine experts. And on and on and on the show goes. And any way you slice it, any way you slice it, too many flashing red lights come on when you closely examine the pros and cons of whether or not to get the, the COVID-19 experimental shot and the COVID vaccine, okay? I want to do whatever scientific, prudent, safe, and in my family and my best interest. I want to do the rational, intelligent thing, and so do you. None of us, as far as I know, are suicidal, and God help anybody that would be to deliver from that. But the point is, now it's time to recognize that you have to have the facts, and then after you get the facts, you make a decision based on the evidence, which 2.2 billion people did, and all across the world, I'm looking at a global map, articles from doctors, medical scientists, and researchers, and they're calling, they're calling 
The only region of the world which so far has escaped the, quote, killer vaccine is Africa, with barely 25% of its 1.4 billion population fully vaccinated. Wow. You see, there's information out there. There's data out there. There's physical evidence out there that's causing people to re-examine their options. Knowledge is power. As long as we have knowledge, we'll have power. This is Paul McGuire. Visit the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Paul McGuire.